Okay, right, so today we're going to be looking at Thessalonians, um, and the title is Real Disciple Makers. It's First Thessalonians, and it's, we're in chapter 2 now, and if you want to look it up, uh, which I recommend you do, um, you can find it in a Bible in front of you, and it's page 1,186, and it's almost at the very end of the Bible. So if you're looking to find it, just go to the back, and then work your way forward a little bit, and it's 1,186, or you can look it up on your phone, that's absolutely fine too, and then if I get boring, you can just do your own thing. (laughs) No one would ever do that. (laughs) Okay. So when you found it, you can pop it in front of you. Now, good news. I wonder if you've had any of late, whether you've had good news. I don't know. You've heard about uh, you've got, I don't know, an offer on a house accepted or you've got a new job or, um, I don't know, an engagement has happened or, um, I don't know, just that you've had a really great day. You went to a great restaurant. Um, In our family, we've had some really, really good test results. And as I was reflecting on this, I thought, you know, it's the immediate thing that we want to tell people. You know, before we get going in the conversation, that's what we want to say. Oh, by the way, because we're desperate to share this kind of joy and the thankfulness that we're feeling about these test results. Uh, The minute anyone says, hi, how are you? We're like, we don't even answer. You know, we're straight in there. Just want to tell you, had some good test results. But I wonder about us, how we are at... Um, telling people the good news about our relationship with Jesus or whether we would even tell them, you know, I go to church or I've got a faith or even if we mention it on Monday morning, tomorrow, if we're out, oh, I, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, I went to church. Yeah, did that. Did that thing. Weirdly, we can feel really embarrassed um, about something we just love doing. It's a real joy you know, we get to come and meet with Jesus and remind ourselves how brilliant he is. And then we just feel a bit embarrassed. Or we can worry about what people will think about us. As a pastor, I've had some pretty awkward conversations over the years. Um, it normally goes along the lines of, you know, how are you? Or, you know, how's it going? You know, oh, your children go to this school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you know this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you live? Oh, I live in St. Danny's. What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and then the person's like, you see them like, they're twitching. And then they say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I've been swearing so much. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, my life. So I kind of hide it as much as I can. I don't tell people. And then they feel like I've really let them dig in because it's been weeks now and they don't know what I do. And now they've got the whole week, they're like playing it back. What did I say? What did I do? But I want them to just, you know, they, my feeling is sometimes they've got some assumptions of what I'll be like or what I'll think and I just want them to know me for me. So um, I don't know if you have anything like that. It can be surprised or embarrassed. In the UK, um, it feels um, uncomfortable. Maybe in the States, it's a bit more relaxed. You talk about your faith, it's, it's kind of okay. But we're very much kind of, we don't talk about money. 
You don't talk about politics. We don't talk about faith. Those are like the three things we don't mention. It's fine for you to have one, but, but don't, just don't talk about it. Okay, just this private thing that you just keep for yourself. Unfortunately, as followers of Jesus, we don't get any let out or get out clause of um, talking about him because we feel a bit uncomfortable about it or it's not societably okay. That's not even a word, is it? (laughs) We've got the greatest love and hope that the world can ever know. We are saying, you know, that there's a God out there who knows you personally. He knows how many hairs you've got in your head. He knows what you thought a minute ago when you were thinking, oh my life, she's told me she's a pastor. He knows everything about you and he loves you. Just as you are. A bit like Bridget Jones. Just as I am. It really is. Just as you are. And he wants to pour forth, I love you, I love you, I love you. And this is the message we have. So we might feel uncomfortable. We might feel discouraged that it hasn't gone so well. We might be terrified, want to be sick just at the thought of it. But the worst thing that's going to happen is someone's going to feel a bit embarrassed, a bit awkward, maybe dismiss us or get a bit cross. In the first century Christian, those first Christians that um, wanted to follow Jesus, it was different. When we read about this letter to the Thessalonians in Thessalonica, Paul is writing to them in a time when it's not a good idea to be following Jesus. He has faced some pretty severe uh, opposition from the locals when he goes to Thessalonica. He shares with them, and it's so bad, there's a riot forms and a mob, and they sneak him out at night because it's going to be bad news. We know previously in the, in the city he was at just before Thessalonica that they were beaten with rods, thrown in jail, put in stocks. Hmm, bit different to mine. Oh, that's a bit awkward. <laughs> in Acts 17, it tells us about when he got, um, got here to Thessalonica. They rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob, started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house. Oh, I might have it up there, actually. Yeah, there we go. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas. That's the guys bringing this message. In order to bring them out into the crowd... But they didn't find them, so they dragged Jason and some other believers out instead. And there was an absolute riot going on. Speaking about Jesus in the first century was tough. And in many countries, it's still tough. You know, countries where it's illegal to change your religion and death is the penalty. Well, whether you're choosing any religion or you're choosing Christianity, death is the option. So when we come to look at this um, section today, you know, whether we're feeling discouraged or whether we're feeling nervous, whether we feel a bit uncomfortable, whether we're feeling a bit apathetic, we know that Paul was in some pretty tough situations. So let's look at what he does, how he does it, and maybe we can just take some bits today from that. Okay, so we're going to look at motivation Um, and method. Let's pray, and then we're going to read this. 
Father God, you know how each of us feels right now about sharing our faith. You know our hearts completely. And you love us. You love us so much. And as we read this today, please will you speak to us by your spirit. Whisper into our hearts what we need to hear today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read chapter 2 and we're going to read verse 1 to 12. Paul writes this. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We previously suffered and um, we, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We're not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else. Even though, as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Okay. So first off, we're going to look at motive. Uh, obedience is our first one. I think it'll come up. There we go. Wonderful. Disciples who follow Jesus are told, go make disciples. We don't get any choice. Teach them what I've said and help them live it. And when I was younger, um, I was really enthusiastic. So I would go on a door-to-door team. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where it's at. You know, if you're serious... You're going to put yourself out there. I'm too scared to do it now. Okay, so I'd knock, and then I can't even remember what I'd say, but I'm like, you know, would you like prayer, or, you know, have you thought about Jesus? And I remember one day, I uh, knocked on this door, and this guy, he just flew. And I mean flew. He was going to tell me everything he thought about Christians, every bad experience he'd had, what he thought about God, who I was, why I shouldn't be there. And it was a really interesting experience because I felt this torrent. But it was interesting, by the end, of course, we got to a place where he's calmed down and we're hearing some of the hurt that he's had in his life and the letdowns. And here Paul tells the Thessalonians that previously he suffered. He was treated outrageously, he says, by uh, the people in Philippi. He was beaten with rods, thrown in prison. Um, 
And, you know, that's not, what I experienced is nothing compared to that. And you'd imagine that after that, you know, you know that expression, don't you? Once bitten, twice shy sort of thing. That he would have headed home. But it says here that they dared to tell them in the face of opposition because of God, with God's help, the Holy Spirit. And when we have that moment when the torrent of abuse falls on us, we really just want to pack up then. Maybe we've got it wrong. Maybe we haven't. We're not quite sure. But with God's help, his Holy Spirit, we can go out again. These guys, it's not a case of once bitten, twice shy, but rather once bitten, twice bold. And Paul says it's worth it. I know it's worth it. All that abuse was totally worth it. And why? Because of the evidence, them. Because it was not in vain. It was not, didn't produce fruit. It actually has produced fruit in their lives. And we might not always see the fruit of our conversations. We might not always see what happens. But our job is literally just to share what we know, the good news. Putting ourselves at risk again can be really scary. But Paul writes, they did so with the help of God. Secondly, their motivation is love. Paul writes in verse 4, it says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen... Oh, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. Paul isn't trying to please people. In verse 6 he writes, we're not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. When I was um, buying a house, um, I got this overwhelming feeling that I was being manipulated. Anyone been there? (laughs) That they were trying to win me over, um, that they'd probably sell their granny at the right price. And not to tarnish estate agents, especially if you are one. I'm sure there's lovely ones out there. But we live in a world where, um, you know, we struggle to trust people, especially if money's involved or we feel pressured to do something. We're always listening or looking for, like, the hidden agenda. Paul says here, really clearly in this passage, you know, I'm not telling you about Jesus for any of the following reasons. I don't want to trick you to take your money. I'm not pretending to be someone I'm not. I'm not putting on a mask. I'm not going to flatter you into believing. He says, before me, before God, um, I've been entrusted with something great. And my, my responsibility is to deliver it with you. I'm more worried about what God thinks of me than people. Now, this doesn't excuse people. Because you could say, well, I don't care what they think about me. And actually, you're just being a really not very nice person. So that's not what this is saying. But we all know that thinking about what other people think of us is probably a barrier to us sharing stuff. Uh, It's natural for us to want approval, um, admiration, encouragement. Those are good things. You know, If we've done a good job, it's nice to be told so. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to be respected for working hard in our workplaces. And achieving a goal is not a bad thing. But here Paul's saying, you just be really careful. Be careful 
that um, we are not doing what we do simply for approval from human beings. We want to, before God, number one, to seek his approval. So when we share the good news, when we share what God's been doing in our lives, when we say, God's been doing this, or I, I feel this about God, or he's been saying this, we're doing it because we want to bring glory to him. We want him to get uh, all the affirmation. We want to say, look, he is brilliant. And we want him to be pleased with us, not them. Paul writes here, God who tests our hearts. And before we get into massive fear over that, just remember everyone's motives are mixed. Everyone um, is holding back because they're a little bit fearful. They might be worried about what people think, might think we're crazy. But the God who tests our hearts already knows what's in there. He already knows it all. And he loves us. If you struggle telling people about your faith, then just be honest. Romans 8.27 says, He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I bring that up. God examines our hearts, and then the Spirit intercedes. God, he made you, knows you completely. His love for us isn't going to budge one iota whether we talk about him or we don't. He loves us. It's a bit like um, something I do with my children is um, I, I want them to really understand that I love them. So sometimes I'll say a million times, I love you, 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 I love you. Do you know I love you? I love you, I love you, I love you. It drives them crazy. They love it. Love you, love you, love you. Do you know I love you, I love you. Yes, mommy, yes. I love you, I love you. And this is how God is for you. You have to get that. Because whether you're sharing or not sharing about him, this is how he feels. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you. I want you to know that. So you can just come to him and you say, God, you know that some of the times I care more about what that person thinks than what you think of me. And he says, that's okay. I know that. I'm on it. I'm interceding for you. (sighs) Let's relax. Just be honest with him. And finally, our final motivation. So we've got obedience. We've got love. We've got joy. That's my favorite. Joy. You know, if I go to a new restaurant and it's good, next time I meet someone, I want to tell them, it's an amazing restaurant. But five years later, I might not remember that that restaurant was very good. Unless someone says, oh, have you been to this restaurant? I say, oh, yes, I went to that restaurant. It was amazing. Da-da-da, and so far. You're buzzing with enthusiasm, but it can fade. And it's the same thing with our faith, isn't it? When we first come to faith, we're like, woohoo, we're doing cartwheels. I'm telling you, hey, Jesus is amazing. Hey, I've been on the Alpha course. It was awesome. I experienced the Holy Spirit. Hey, I started going to this church. It's lovely. They're so loving and kind. But over time, this starts becoming the norm, doesn't it? Like, oh, yes, I have a church family and they totally love me. Yes, I have had a baby. They brought me meals for three, four weeks. Yeah, that's just what we do. Um, It gets the norm, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I went to church, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I came out with so much joy. It's just the norm. That's just what happens. It's not worth telling anyone, because that's just normal for me. Oh, and I have this great church family, and I was moving house, and they all came round, and they moved me in their van. 
Yeah, but that's just normal. That's normal. That happens to everyone, doesn't it? Because we've totally forgotten. We've forgotten it. You know, we need people to ask us, don't we? That's what I love about the Alpha course. I sit there, and uh, we've got a topic like prayer or something. And they'll be like, you know, you start with, has anyone tried praying? And they're like, and then someone goes, oh, yes, I've prayed. And uh, I prayed that this person would be made well, and they were. And then someone over goes, oh, yeah, once I was stuck in the middle of nowhere, and I prayed, and God sent a car. And then someone over here goes, oh, once I didn't have a job, and then I prayed, and then five people phoned me that day. And you're so excited because you remember, oh, my life, I'm remembering how awesome this is. And that happens week after week after week because you get to say how great Jesus is. You get to say the difference that it makes. You know, if you're feeling dry about your faith, you don't feel very joyful, I'm going to recommend you tell someone about your faith. Because when you do, oh, it comes up and you're like, oh, I remember how amazing it is. It is quite awesome. And they go, really? And you go, yes. And they go, wow. And you go, yes, it is wow. Because I'd forgotten that it was wow because it was just normal for me. This is my life. I'm just okay. Sometimes we just forget how awesome Jesus is. And when we tell people, we feel that joy. And why is that? Because we're created to worship. That's what I was thinking this morning. I thought, you know, as we come to church and we sing songs about Jesus, we declare who God is. But it's the same thing when we pray in the morning and we declare God you're awesome. Thank you for this. And when we tell someone what God's done in our lives, we're worshipping because we're declaring the glory of God. You know, uh, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day, they pour forth speech. And for us, when we get to tell people, we are pouring forth, we are pouring forth speech. We are worshipping God. And that fills us with joy. We're made to enjoy God and to say, yeah, this is pretty good. I love being in a relationship with God. And finally, obviously, it's not just about words. It's our lives too. Just like the heavens declare the glory of God and they don't talk, our lives also do that. When we're with people, when we love them, when we show them, when we are at work and we work with integrity, we declare, we pour forth the glory of God. So that's the motivation. Let's look now at the method. How? Number one, truth. Paul writes, um, he wasn't trying to trick people. He said, um, you know, he wasn't trying to trick them into it. Don't ever pretend You know, following Jesus is amazing, we know that, but it also can be hard. Don't lie. If you don't know the answer, don't exaggerate it. Don't leave out the hard bits because you don't know the answers, just put them in there. God asks you to share what you know, not what you don't know. So firstly, be truthful. Secondly, share humbly. Paul writes, we were like children. Sharing what we've experienced or what the Bible says, 
is not about us shouting or seeking to win an argument. That is never going to work. We know that. You can't argue someone into a relationship with God any more than he argues us. It says he draws us with cords of loving kindness. He woos us in. He doesn't go, you are wrong. We don't want any of that. It's not a power struggle. Paul says, we came to you like children. They're not claiming they know it all. We just look, this is what we know, and we're sharing it with you. Okay? And we're not saying you don't know anything either. You've got stuff you can teach us. It's mutual. We come humbly. But we're excited about what we do know. I was uh, hearing um, my daughter and a little girl, they were talking together, and one of them started school and one hasn't, and the one that started school said, I know that two plus one is three. And the other one went, wow, you know everything. (laughs) Cute. She doesn't know everything. She knows something, and she's excited about it. That's where we need to be. Um, And when you tell people what we know, just tell them what we know. Uh, Acknowledge what you don't. It's fine. And finally, honesty. Be honest. It says, verse 8, but our lives as well. Our lives are also a testimony. When we're excited about, about God and about what he's done, it's not just words. They're looking at our lives. Paul constantly says to the churches, remember us, remember how we lived. Verse 10, you're witnesses of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were. Our lives have got to match. We've got to be honest about what we believe. In our workplace, in our community, with our family, we've got to be authentic. We've got to share our lives. He says, and not just the message but our lives. Now, how much we share of our lives, well, that's going to be different for different people. Paul's saying, don't, you know, you don't have to share everything you have, but that's how he does it. But how, you've got to share something. You've got to show what, what you believe is going to show in how you live. And that puts us in a really vulnerable place. We, um, you know, when you are with someone and you're thinking about what's going on in your life, you know, when you're trying to decide, well, oh, should I share this or not? You know, is this something I want them to share of my life? I guess you've got to just be praying, haven't you? God, is what, I, what I've got going on, is that going to be helpful? Is that going to point them to you? Is it going to uncover a bit more of you to them? Is it going to help them in their journey? Now, we don't know what they're going to do with that, and it might be hurtful. It might be painful. But, you know, it's praying that, Holy Spirit, is this going to help them see a bit more of you? And if it is, then maybe that's a risk we're willing to take, to share a bit more of our lives. In that moment, is your motivation is going to show a bit of Jesus, or is your motivation... It's going to show a bit of me. So let's be honest in how we share and authentic. So real disciples, disciple makers are not impenetrable to suffering. We know that. Knockbacks, abuse, that's going to happen. It's okay. We don't seek approval of others. We're looking for God's approval. We recognize it's mixed. We bring that to God. He knows it. He's interceding. We share the good news in words and deed out of love for God and a place of joy. And joy will come from it. And we approach others humbly 
gently, truthfully. Real disciples may face opposition, but they don't give up. With the help of God, they keep going. And Jesus' promise remains, doesn't it? Go make disciples, and I am with you. His presence is with you. So perhaps today, you know, you've given up sharing because um, you've had some knockbacks. You know, you've experienced that torrent of abuse. Maybe not because you were really knocking on someone's door, but it just sort of happened. Maybe you've given up sharing because you're fearful. You fear about what they say more than maybe what God thinks. Or maybe you've given up sharing out of apathy because it just becomes so normal to you, so normalized. Um, and perhaps you're someone who you're not sure yet about Jesus, what it all means. Maybe it's new to you. Maybe someone's shared with you and it wasn't authentic. They didn't really live what they said. They would just sort of do what I do, not what I say. Maybe they were aggressive or intolerant or they didn't come with humility. Well, you know they're broken, just like all of us. And they get it wrong, and God's teaching them through that. So maybe give someone else another chance. If you're here today and you're not sure what you think about Jesus, or maybe you are, why not ask somebody today? The best gift you can give them is to say, tell me about a time God's answered your prayer. Or tell me about the time you came to faith, you realized that Jesus was real. Tell me about the time uh, you read the Bible and you felt it was speaking to you. Tell me about what it means to follow Jesus for you. Just ask them. Because you're giving them joy as a gift. Because they get to talk about it and remember it. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're the one that searches our hearts uh, and in that you know us completely. But you're also the one that intercedes for us. You're the one that's praying for us. You're the one that's championing us along the, ra- along the side of the racetrack. You're the one jumping up and down and going, you can do it. Go, go, go. And Jesus, you know about the knockbacks we've had You know about our hearts, our fears, and our worries. And you know about our apathy too. And Jesus, we just bring it before you and know that we can just lay it before you because you love us, you love us, you love us, you love us, you love us. Help us just to know this morning that you're whispering over us, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Do you know how much I love you? we ask Holy Spirit that you would come and speak to our hearts that we would be listening to you and we pray that you'd fill us again with the power that enables us to share you
And Father, we also pray for those uh, amongst us or those that we've come into contact with where we've not been authentic, where we got it wrong, we didn't do what we said, we were overly aggressive or we came across intolerant, we weren't humble. Pray that you'd forgive us and that you'd help them forgive us too. And Father, just as we prayed last week, we pray that in the coming week you would give us each opportunities to speak about you. Amen.